Bible, take it to uh, Numbers chapter Numbers chapter 27. We're going to be in two different texts tonight. Numbers 27. And uh, we're looking at the call of Joshua, how, how God called him, and uh, the particulars of the call, things that God worked on his life and prepared him for this moment. But Numbers 27... <coughs> We're on the last point there on the back of the back page there, but if you will, we can just kind of go a little bit as we go through this and kind of make our way down there to the last one. Number one, the particulars of the call is God preparing Joshua for the job. Anytime God calls us for something, he's going to prepare us for the job. He's not going to stick us in a job that we can't do. He's not going to fit us for the job. It's not going to put us in a place where we can't perform. And immediately my mind goes to Moses when he steps up to be the leader of the children of Israel. He claimed that he couldn't talk very good. Right. But all of a sudden he began to talk and, and God blessed his mouth and, and he led the children of Israel. But God prepares the call. He prepared Joshua to be in that position. Number one. And then number two, the supplication that took place we see and we read that Moses prayed Asking God to give him somebody, and God gave him Joshua there. Number three is the revelation or the revealing, if you will, how God reveals to us we're called. And everybody's call is different. We talked about Paul, how God knocked or Saul, God knocked him off his horse, a life blinded him from the sky. And that was the way that God called Saul. God called Moses with a burning bush. God called Joshua differently, and he, but he simply revealed to him that he was God's man. Just like God reveals to you if you need to work in his ministry. There's been many times in my life God spoke to me and said, hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do that. And uh, in the ministry, it's important to respond when God reveals. Miss Janice was talking, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and she said that she thought maybe she was done teaching, and then all of a sudden God began to work on her heart to start teaching again, and so now she's teaching a junior church class. I mean, allowing God to work, allowing God to reveal, hey, and, uh, and what an amazing time to respond, how you responded to God, but a lot of people will, God will reveal it, and they'll go the other way, that's ah, not that big of a deal, I don't need to do that, you know? But uh, to, re to respond to the re revelation that God gives us, uh, God, gives, uh, God gave Joshua. Now, the fourth one is the ordination. This is the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the ceremony, if you will, uh, that takes place in a lot of preachers' lives. That uh, the ordination is kind of getting them ready. The, the approval of them going into the ministry. Now, it is not necessary that a pastor or a preacher is ordained. I don't necessarily think that there, that is the qualification for pastoring, but I think that it helps that a man goes through a local New Testament church and he is ordained by, uh, by the Council of Pastors. I remember my ordination. Uh, 2012, I got ordained. And uh, I remember the two preachers. I had two preachers come and preach for me. I had I had men of God that I looked up to, men of God that had influence in my life. And then I honored some men of my life because of who they were. 
Some men in my life, my, my uncles, I honored both of my uncles who are independent Baptist preachers. And I honored my grandpa because he's an independent Baptist preacher. I honored uh, those people and I asked them to be on my board. Now they voted and then there was a bunch of statuses that signed the, the certificate that day. And uh, what an amazing thing to be a part of. I, I, I just, it was, it was an honor that God allowed that to take place. But that ordination is no different than what took place with Joshua. God ordained him to be in that position, and they sent him off. So Numbers chapter 27 and verse number 18. Let's read together. Got your Bible there, Numbers 27 and verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and say before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation to give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. This ordination that took place was Moses signifying to the children of Israel that they needed to pass on, that he was to passing on the torch to Joshua. Here's the torch, Joshua, it's yours. And so this was allowing the children of Israel, look in verse number 20 at the end, he says that the children of Israel may be obedient. Why didn't Moses go into the promised land? Because of the disobedience of the children of Israel. So he is telling them to be obedient to Joshua, the guy that God put in charge. This is the one God ordained, so be obedient. Listen, look, and do. Uh, be obedient. And so honestly, as, as a preacher of the gospel who's been ordained, you know what my job is to do? Is to be obedient. To be obedient to who? Who do I need to be obedient to? God. I need to be obedient to God. He told the children of Israel to be obedient to God. As a pastor, as a preacher, I need to be obedient to God. But guess what? As a congregation, as a church, guess what you need to do? Be obedient. Be obedient not to the preacher, but to God. Be obedient to God. So as we look at this text in, in Numbers 27, there's a couple different things I want to look at. Numbers 27, go down to verse number 23. And he laid hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by Moses. Moses and the priest Eleazar, they laid hands on him. Now, the laying of hands at an ordination service, I don't know if you've ever been a part of an ordination service, but there is a time where they bring the preacher that's being ordained and they lay hands on him and pray and praying that God would use their, this preacher, praying that God would use him in the ministry. And so here it is. Moses is, knows he's coming down to his last days and he wants to ordain Joshua. And so he gives Joshua a charge and we'll get to that in just a minute. But then we, he lays his hands on Joshua as a signification, or I don't know if that's right, as a sign, let's go back to significant, as a sign saying, this is the man that God has ordained. 
praying that God has done that. Have you ever been? Have you ever seen an ordination where they would lay hands on the pastor that's or the preacher that's being ordained? That is just God asking God to use him. But Moses did it to allow the children of Israel listen, follow him. I'm leaving, but you need to follow him. Um, because a lot of times, especially in that situation, I, well, that's not the way Moses did it. You know, that's not what Moses would have said. But they had to follow Joshua. And so he, he, he gave that he gave that in front of everybody. It was a public thing in front of the congregation of the children of Israel. Anybody have any thoughts or questions? All right. So we see number or under that, under the ordination, we see the laying of the hands. But then also you look at, let us uh, look at the charge to the congregation. Take your Bible and turn to Deuteronomy. To Deuteronomy, uh, chapter number 31. Chapter number 31. <clears throat> this is the text. This is where we'll draw the, the last little bit here, the charge that was given. There's two different charges. Um, and and, and, and like, if you've ever been a part of an ordination service, there's a pastor that preaches and it gives a charge. Normally the charge is to the pastor, the preacher that's being ordained, and then but then also in this in this text, this charge was given to the people, and there was a charge given to uh, the candidate, or if you will, the uh, the pre uh, Joshua. So Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, you got them open there, uh, verse number one. And Moses went and spake these words unto Israel, and he said unto them, I am a hundred and twenty years old. This day I can no more go out and come in. Also, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. I'm not going to the promised land. Verse number 3. Here's the charge. Verse number 3 all the way down to verse number 6. To the congregation. The Lord thy God, <clears throat> he will go over before thee. And he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess Possess them, and Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did in Sion, and to Og, and to the kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do according, to, uh, according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is he it is that doeth uh, go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So here is the charge to the congregation here. Number one, he says we've got a new leader. Here's your new leader. Verse number three. He said, and it's Joshua. He's the one that's going to go over. Verse number two, he said, I'm not going over to Jordan. But here is a brand new leader. Here he is. Then he spoke of the land, the land that he's going to take, the land that he's going to possess. Hey, this is the land God promised us. This is the land we've been talking about since we come out of Egypt. This is the land that we've been talking about. And maybe even some of you have even been talking about ever since uh, that your your uh, your great great grandparents came over uh, with, with jo Joseph and all those. He said that's this is the land. This is. 
courage and fear not, nor be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the Amorites in verse number 4. Don't be afraid of uh, all, the, all the things that you will conquer in that land. This land, this life we live is a record, as we look at this, this, this promised land is, is a picture of the victorious Christian life. And as you make this and you live in this, this life that we live, we have to have battles. We have to have fights so that we can have what? We have to have fights. We have to have battles so we can have victory. Because if we don't have victory, where will we be? If you don't have victory as a Christian, you'd be pretty distraught. You'd be pretty upset if you never had victory. But this life that we live, there needs to be victory. And whether you think it's a big victory or a small victory, every victory is important. Yes, yes. So, Joshua, you're going to go take that land. Hey, children of Israel, you're going to look. You've got a new leader. You see that land that God's been promising us, and you're going to have a new life over there. And that life, don't be afraid of don't be afraid of those Amorites because, hey, when you get over there, guess what they're going to want to do? They're going to want to fight you. They're going to want to keep you down. They're, wanna gonna, they're going to want to keep you from taking the land. But God promised you that land. When God, when Jesus arose from the dead, who did he conquer? Who did he conquer? Death, hell, and the grave. He conquered sin. Yeah. He conquered Satan. So why do we struggle? Why don't we have victory over sin? Why don't we have victory over the things that get in our way? If he defeated them, if he already won the battle, why don't we have victory? Flesh, because we don't what? We don't claim it. We don't go get it. The victory's ours. You know that song that says, I'm on the winning side? You know, I'm not on the losing side of this thing. I'm on the winning side. So this life is, should be a life of victory. Now, any of you that's been saved any amount of time, you know, as well as I do, that in this life, we will have our battles. In this life, we will have our struggles. In this life, we will have things that don't always go our way. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing better than serving Jesus. Right. There is nothing better than being on this side of things, knowing that I've done right. Knowing that I, I tried my best to serve God. Right. Knowing that I tried to live for God. Nothing better. I heard a preacher say this. It pays to serve God. It pays to serve yeah. God. Uh, you may not always get it in the money aspects of it, but it pays to serve God. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. A life of sin, a life of, a life of sin and wreck will wreck and ruin your life, wreck and ruin your marriages, and, and all. I, and the list goes on. What sin will do to you? Anybody have any thoughts? Well, Satan is cunning. He is kind, of, Brother Eddie. He's very kind. Of. He's a quick 
it's not him. Right. And she looked puzzled. And I said, well, what do you want? I said, because God is in charge yeah. of everything. Yeah. I said, he's the one that's in charge, not him. Just uh, Brother Sam, Brother Sammy Allen used to always say that happiness comes from happenings, mm. but joy comes from within. Oh wow, that's good. That's good. Who said that? Brother Sammy Allen. Uh, I thought you said A A Allen. <laughs> <laughs> say that one more time. Happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from within. So we can have joy even when. Even when nothing good's going on, we have joy. And, and that's, that's the kind of life that Joshua and Moses was talking about. That's the kind of life that I want. Yeah. Not everything's good. Not everything's wonderful all the time. But I can still have joy within because of Christ. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' Jesus blood. blood. Anybody else? Any thoughts, questions? But before Moses moves on, he, he says, we've got to speak about the Lord. See, we've talked about our leader, we've talked about the land, we've talked about the life, but ultimately, let's end right here. The Lord. What has God done for us? Verse number six. He says, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. No. He's going to go with you. You know, through those happenings, through those difficult times, through the storm, through the night, whatever we're facing, guess who's going to be there right there with us? The Lord is. Who it is, who it is, who it is that's going to take us to the promised land, it's the Lord. You know, come what may, it's the Lord. So what's going to happen here, and just in general, at Mid-County Baptist Church, what's going to take us through? The Lord. There's nothing else that's going to take us through. You can have the best personality. You can have whatever else is going to happen. But the Lord is the one that's going to see us through. The Lord is the one who's going to be with us. He will never fail thee. He'll never fail thee, nor forsake thee. Yes. Praise God. He'll never fail me. He's never failed me. He's never done one thing wrong. He's never done it. And guess what? He'll never forsake me. It tells us in the New Testament, He says, I'll never forsake thee. No, I'll never forsake thee. I'll never leave thee. Hey, hey, He'll go with me all the way to the end. Why? Because that's my God. Yes. Amen. So Moses says, look guys, we've got the leader, we've got the land, we've got the life, but guess what? We've got the Lord. Yes. It's negative out there. It's negative, Nancy can have all of it. Hey, the Lord. We've got the Lord. Yes. I don't have to live in the negativity of this world. I don't have to. We've got the Lord. All right. Anything, anybody else? Any questions, thoughts? Yes, sir. Well, you know, Sunday night, what you preach on? About being in the fire. Who was the fourth man? Yeah, it was the Lord. Amen. 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 
son of God did. If you wrote down every time Jesus failed you, when your book is all done, it'd be nothing but empty pages. Yes, Two minutes left. I'm going to give you the last little thought. So, as the ordination goes, he laid the hands on him. He charged the congregation, but then he had the charge to the candidate or the charge to Joshua. He said in verse number seven, verse number eight is what he said. He said, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all of Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with the people, with this people, unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers, and to give them. Thou shalt cause them to inherit it, and the Lord, he it is, that doth go, with, go before thee. He will uh, be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Moses, Moses was talking to the congregation, but then he turned and he said, Okay, Joshua, let me tell you. Let me tell you, buddy. He said, You need to have a good attitude. You've got to be good, strong, of good courage, because these people need you to be. You've got to have a good attitude and lead them. Then he said, he said, your assignment is to get into that land and take it. It is your land to take. Take it. Then he also says, you're not going alone. You've got assistance. And guess who that was? We just talked about Yes. The Lord. Joshua, you don't have to go in there alone. You don't have to worry about that. Because when you get to Jericho, the walls are going to come tumbling down. Yeah. And you don't do a thing. Right. Right. And the list goes on with the conquering that he had. But many times in our life we forget who's with us. Who is with us? I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. How do I have that strength? I have to go to God to right. get that strength. Give me the strength to walk as a Christian. Look, you have to, it takes time, it takes effort for you to pray and, and spend time in your Bible. Whether you're whether you're a, a young kid or whether you're an adult, that should never stop. Right. You never get to a place where, man, I don't need my Bible anymore. I need my Bible every day. Amen. I need God's strength every day. And I've said this before, but I really, I really mean it. I can't imagine the what went through Job's mind when he walked out that morning, and he literally went from being one of the richest men in the East to being the poorest man in a snap of a finger. He lost everything he owned. He lost every every person he loved except for his wife. In like that, if that happens to us. What do we do? Follow Jesus. Job, yeah, that's right, right there. Bible says at the end, the chapter number one ends with the phrase, Job did not charge God foolishly, nor did he sin. That, that, that's, I, I think I mixed them up. I think it says, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God foolishly, something like that. Wow. How did he do that? Because he prepared. Because God was assisting him. And everything that we face, we everything that we face.
place in this life. I don't need, I, I, it's good to have brother and sister to help encourage each other and help push us on. But ultimately, the assistance I need is God's. Amen. It's the Lord that goes before me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I, I thank you for everyone that is here. I pray, dear Lord, that you help us and encourage us and strengthen us in the Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that we would rely on you for strength. We would rely on you for the assistance we need.